0: we're back with more inside the clubhouse with bruce levine and david haw i think he's confident i think he's healthy i think he's able to land the breaking ball at will i mean he's pitching behind knowing what guys are trying to do to him he's able to move the fastball around i think the the fastball's played since his first outing probably in the second inning the fastball's played up in the zone well and and you know the velocity's been there the cutter looked really nice tonight and i thought he threw some chase cutters into some varieties and got some weak contact there later in the game i thought he just mix and matches well you don't ever feel like the the hitters are really comfortable off of him
2: welcome back inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score david hall bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock that was david ross after drew smiley's latest solid effort friday night in minnesota the cubs 62 winners They begin a nine-game road trip the right way. Drew Smiley, a big reason why, Bruce. Six innings, two runs, only one hit in his final three innings. The mastery continues. You look back to the the middle of last year when maybe he started this run, especially August and September, he has taken the mound and removed the doubt. And he's done it in a way, Bruce, that's very quietly consistent, very professional, unexpected. I don't know if it's
3: unexpected anymore, is it? I don't, I don't think so. Um, this is a um, very polished pitcher who has a great pedigree. The only thing that's uh, prevented him from being a star for a long period of time is just some injury issues over the time. He has really been an, a quality pitcher throughout his career, David.
2: And let's go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook, and that's where we find the Cubs' dependable left-hander Drew Smiley. Drew, welcome inside the clubhouse. How are you?
0: Hey, how you doing, guys?
2: Doing well. Thank you for getting up and, and joining us this morning after a tremendous effort last night. This is the way you start a road trip, and you're consistency continued we talked about what you offered on the mound in terms of six innings and how over the last three the twins only managed one hit let's talk and start there drew what was working for you so well last night
0: um i think just you know filling the zone up you know uh going right at them attacking they were they were very aggressive you know as everyone as i only threw like 70 something pitches in six innings uh but, I mean, that just tells me that they're swinging. They're swinging early in the counts, and they're trying to get the balls in play. So, Jan just does an amazing job of, of keeping hitters a little in between and off balance, and, um, you know, I just try to hit his gloves as best I can. You, uh,
3: you are so consistent and at the same time so, uh, uh, you know, modest about what you're able to do. Uh, There's... This, you know, when when I look at your game, I, you know, I think of Rich Hill's long career. I think of Jamie Moyer's fantastic career where he was released a couple times uh, thinking about becoming a gym teacher. And then 270 <laughs> wins later, uh, he was one of the, the great stories in baseball history. What what is it that allows you with your stuff to continue to compete and get big league hitters out?
0: Um, I, I don't know. I think it's just trusting it. I think it's just, you know, believing in yourself and and knowing that if I execute a pitch that it's good enough to, to get these guys out. I mean, I have a, utmost respect for all these hitters, but I also know that that I'm just as good, you know, and I might not be as flashy or as hard as some of these other guys on the mound these days, but when you execute pitches and you keep them off balance, like I said, and make speeds, um, and just have trust and belief in what you can do, you know, you're going to be just fine.
2: Drew, I always uh, appreciate the way you credit your catchers for the role they play in your outings, and certainly Jan Gomes has made an impact. And even if he's kidding you sometimes about how many home runs he's hit off you, as you alluded to uh, postgame, I I think that his role in this pitching staff stability and the fact that the Cubs have 20 quality starts and lead the, the National League in that category uh, for a moment, what is it about Jan Gomes that makes him so special behind the plate and makes pitchers like yourself compliment him seemingly after every good start?
0: Uh, he just has a really quiet confidence about him, too. You know, like, I think just he's obviously a leader in the clubhouse. He's been around for a long time. Everyone knows his track record, you know, World Series champion. Um, but when he just, when he talks to the to, the other pitchers and the guys in the locker room. It's just like this. He has this presence about him and, and confidence that he it brings up everyone around him. You know, it makes you, it makes me as a pitcher feel confident. You know, he trusts what he does. He he, he The way he talks about game planning and hitters before the game, it just puts a lot of faith in, in what he's doing. You know, like just for example, last night going into the game, we were talking about Carlos Correa and, you know, I, I kind of said I don't think we should throw him that many fastballs that we're better off throwing cutters or curveballs to him. And he he, he spoke up and just said, hey, listen, we're going to find a good spot to throw him two or three fastballs in a row and it's going to really mess him up. He's going to come in, you know, looking to hit your curveball and, and you know, just, just stay with me on, on the time we can, we can double up on fastballs and I think it will change the whole, you know, approach of the team. And then in the first inning, if you notice, I, I finished him with three straight fastballs, and he, he took all three and, and looked at them. And, I, I mean, that's just a testament to Yon, You know, like, he's so he's ahead of the game when it comes to kind of getting in these guys' heads.
3: Drew Smiley, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse, we're with you every Saturday, 49 to 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball on the score. And, Drew, you and I uh, had a conversation last week uh, kind of about what 500 means in baseball these days and I wonder if you know you would relate that to, to our listeners today you know a little bit about the fact that I think we kind of agreed that 500 is a really good place to be at and there, unless you're in the American League East uh, it's kind of uh, denoting and depicting what baseball is about in 2023.
0: Yeah well I mean yeah like we talked about I just think Teams are getting better as a whole. You know, there, there's there's not as many teams rebuilding anymore, which is a really good thing in baseball. And then when you throw in the, the new schedule, this is the first year of the new schedule on top of that, where you play everyone, you know, it's just like on this road trip, where we're playing Minnesota, who's the first-place team in the AL, and then we go to Houston, who's been the back-to-back World Series. Um, and, it's, you know, the, they just won the World Series. So you're going to play teams across both divisions and you're going to play everybody. And when you do that, I just think it kind of, it, it makes it really hard to, to just run away with, with wins, you know, so you're going to see a lot more teams battling and playing that 500 baseball. And at the end of the year, I think it'll make it much more exciting. Um, as you see a lot more teams in the hunt thinking they have a chance to make playoffs.
2: Drew, I got to ask you about the infusion of energy that Christopher Morrell creates because he's been here for a week. And I know that the team, You know, Cubs are off to a pretty good start. There's a lot of optimism and and reasons why, because of the pitching, because of the defense, because of a lot of things. Then here comes this young, charismatic player who just keeps hitting. How would you describe the effect that he has on the clubhouse and the impact he's made immediately?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, everyone knows he has a huge impact. He, You know, he has has that million-dollar smile. He he has a presence about him that um, just brings positivity and – happiness around everyone he's with um he's a great dude he's a great player everyone knows how talented he is you know I think I think I said this last night after the game I honestly I think it's a testament to how much talent and the team that the Cubs have because everyone knows Christopher Murrell is an everyday player in the major leagues he's he can change the game at any moment he can play any position Um, you can put him in the outfield you put him in the infield like he just he's a gamer and he you needed that in the lineup, but, you know, we haven't really had a spot to put him, and that just, to me, just shows we got some really good players on this team. Um He should, I mean, you put him on any other major league team, and there's definitely a spot, but I think that's just a tough decision and a really good decision for the Cubs to have to kind of keep him in triple-A and, and keep getting his abs. but everyone knows he's He's going to be on our team. He's going to help us win a lot of baseball games. So, I'm excited to see him in the lineup right now. And I'm excited to see him getting these everyday a And just like last night, you know, he just um, – that was such a huge home run he hit. So, that was – I love the energy he brings to our about, team.
3: Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. We talked about run prevention, and the Cubs have been a fun team to watch. Uh, there were a couple of clunky moments in one inning yesterday that led to a run. Or two, but for the most part, uh, run prevention and watching guys who are really good at defense and baseball has been a part of Cub baseball this year. How much fun has that been for you when you're out there, number one, and, and it just as a baseball fan watching that element of the game take place on your team?
0: It's great. I mean, as a pitcher, you love to see it, right? Uh, we have tremendous defense all around the diamond. You know, we got gold clovers behind the plate. We got gold clovers in the outfield, the infield. You know, um, been awesome to see Belly in center. He just runs things down. Uh, he gets such awesome jumps. Sometimes he makes plays that look routine, but you know, like at times, I like I don't think other teams are making those plays or other center fielders. Uh, and then we have two short stops, You know, with Nico and Dansby up the middle. Um, everywhere you look, it's just guys making great plays. And just going back to the beginning of this conversation about my philosophy and how I pitch, it just it took a lot more confidence in, in pitchers knowing that they can throw the ball over the plate. And and just I just need to try to do a good job of inducing weak contact and keep the ball in the park. And those guys behind me are going to run it down.
2: Well, it's not flashy. It's very consistent. But and I wonder when you're that consistent, as much as you have been you know, during your Cubs tenure, really, but especially since the middle of last season. I, I wonder how, how you'd put into words what the Cubs do, not necessarily what other teams don't, but look, as an example, Kyle Hendricks comes back in the midst of his rehab, and he says, I need a session with Tommy Hadovy. And he has a bullpen session, and Hayden Niske calls it the, one of the most professional things he's ever seen. And we talk about the the infrastructure that the Cubs have with Tommy and other guys. What is it about the Cubs pitching approach that makes it special, that makes it
0: different? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think it's just how in tune they are. You know, I think how prepared and and on top of things they are. Um, It it sounds like an easy answer, but in today's game, I mean, I've been on a lot of teams. It's just not that way in other organizations, Um, whether they're they just don't know, you know, when, when pitchers, it's too late. When you start going down a bad road and and, and they don't realize it and pick it up enough or they just, for whatever reason, don't tell the player. They're, sometimes teams are scared to give players too much information, think it might lead to to chaos or, like, the too much information in their head. Um, the Cubs just do a really good job of, of finding – what you do really good, and if you might be slipping down a bad road, they stop it right there at the beginning before before you get off the tracks too, you know, too much. And Tommy has real has just a way about him to to make the pitchers feel very confident and to believe in themselves. And um, he doesn't. He's such a good mechanical fishing coach, but at the same time, like he he's really really good at simplifying it. I think that's probably the biggest key when we talk about Tommy Hottovy. Like he he can come to you and give you one or two little tweaks, and you're not going to you know you're not going to think too much about I got to change the way my delivery is or the way I throw. It's just it's just a minor thing in the set of of all your of your delivery, and it, it makes all the dominoes fall into place. And that's that's how I feel with, with the with the Cubs infrastructure and, and how they pitch. It's just like they give you the right information at the right time.
3: Drew, our city gets beaten up all the time in uh, newspapers and all across the country about city of Chicago. But please relate why your wife and your kids love the city of Chicago and why you consistently wanted to come back here other than just the Cub organization and having treated you so well.
0: Um. Well, we we live close to Wrigley Park, um, or Wrigley Field. I'm sorry, right there, uh, kind of in Lincoln Park, and I mean, I'm I'm able to walk to the ballpark. I just Wrigley's just has such a historic grounds to it, and seeing my my kids scooter down the road to Wrigley in the neighborhood, it has such a friendly feel. You know, I can walk to the park. Like I said, um, it, it's just. It's a vibe that you don't really get in other cities and other, and other stadiums, you know, of, of being able to just walk to the field with my kids every day. Um, stuff like that. It's just like that neighborhood feel where, where I really love it. And, you know, then when you go into the games and whether you're pitching or not pitching, you're sitting in the dugout and every single time there's 35,000 fans in the stadium, it just it makes playing baseball a whole lot of fun. So I love the whole Wrigley Wrigleyville Wrigleyville area, and um, yeah, me and my family just love it there. It's it's been a great situation for me.
2: Last thing, Drew, so you talked about the 500 record, and that's exactly where the Cubs are as we wake up this morning, 19-19. and But it feels like you're better than that. It looks like you're better than that. What is it about this team? Does it feel like you're in the midst of a winning season, even though your record says you're right smack dab in the middle?
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's a ton of confidence in our locker room. Um, we've been pitching great. We've been playing defense great. We, we, we've we been hitting great. And just in, in the midst of a season when you play 162 games, you're going to run into some slumps. You're going to run into some games where you lose some close one-run ball games. And I think that's what happened to us the last week or two. But like I said, we are playing really good teams. You know, Things are going to happen like that. You don't, you're not going to come out on top every single night. That's just the way baseball is. But we know we have a team where every single time we take the field, we're going to have a really good chance to win. And when you have that, it, it definitely puts a lot of energy and positivity into the air. So, you know, we don't, we're do not we not going to slump our heads. We're going to just sit up there and, and go try to win every game. And um, even in the midst of, you know, a little tough stretch like we had on this last road trip, everybody knows we're better than that. And we just got to get back out there. And I, and I think it'll, the ball will start going our way.
2: Drew, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck moving on uh, this season, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time.
0: All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Drew Smiley, the Cubs' dependable left-hander, Bruce, the model of consistency, 4-1 record, 3.05 ERA, coming off a big victory against the Twins in Minneapolis to get the Cubs' road trip off the right right way. It's fun to talk to somebody who has as much of a grasp on what he's doing and why as Drew Smiley does.
3: It really is. I mean, he's, you know, as a reporter, uh, and you know this from being a reporter for all the years that you've been, uh, you know, in this business, you have your go-to guys in every clubhouse, you know, guys that you can get the pulse, guys that you can run anything up and down the ladder, and, and they'll give you a straight answer. They're not going to bury anybody, but they're, they'll are they tell you straight. And Drew has always been that guy uh, since I've known him. He's been with the Cubs uh, off and on for the last four or five years. So from from that perspective, uh, he's, a, he's a terrific guy to deal with. But um, I think it, it's you know, something you have to give the, the Cubs front office some credit for is bringing in the quality of people that they've brought in to go along with the talent. It's one thing you know, to have brought in Drew Smiley once, but they've brought him in three different times, David, uh, as a free agent. And one time he'd pitch for them at all. They had to pay him seven million million one one year. He wasn't able to post up because of injury. But that that tells you what they believe in as far as quality of players on and off the field. And, you know, when you see it and you see a clubhouse like this, you have to give them credit. You made a couple of
2: interesting comparisons that I think are good ones because – You know, I I think there there are certain guys you look at and you describe them in the in the latter part of their careers, and you you can't use lefty without using crafty, the crafty lefty, right? Jamie Moyer, Rich Hill, Drew Smiley kind of fits the mold. He's 33 years old. The Cubs are the seventh team that he's played for, and it's the third time that he's been, you know, with the Cubs. So he's well traveled, but he's a good guy to have in a clubhouse because of his. The way he adapts and just how relatable he is in terms of whether it's new teammates, old teammates, all teammates, they—he's an easy guy to have around.
3: Oh, and by the way, 2021, he played for the World Champion Atlanta Braves. Okay, Not bad. so throw that into the mix. You know, like, again, I don't think we can allude to uh, often enough how many former World Champion players that the Cubs brought in here, you know, are they all going to work out? Are they all going to hit 300? Are they all going to win 20 games? No, but uh, they, they do bring a confidence uh, that you see in that clubhouse. When, especially David, when things aren't going right and they're losing four out of five or they're coming off of a, ro- a road trip. I talked to a number of their young players after that last road trip where they, they didn't play well. And they said, we looked around, Wisniewski, Wisniewski said to me, I looked around and they were smiling, they were confident, they were doing their work. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things I learned by just being around some of these guys who have won before and don't get shaken up by a short losing streak.
2: I call him Wes nasty, Bruce. So I think you should, yes. nasty. and he's back on the mound today. Cubs, twins 110 pregame right here on the score at 12 30 you know what we're going to do next hopefully we're going to connect with dusty baker the astros manager here on inside the clubhouse stay tuned we're here till 11 it's inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio call from mom answer
0: it call silenced
1: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new
1: voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
3: 6-7 of the score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw.
0: It was amazing.
2: Um, he was the manager of the Cubs like way back. I, in 2004,
0: I went to some games that summer. I believe he was the manager then. He's managed so many legends, and he played with so many legends, and he himself is one, too. So um, it's just so cool to get to play for him. And, and, yeah, to be on the team that finally got him a World Series as a manager was was also incredible. It made it that much sweeter when we won. You know, we were so happy for him. And, um, you know, it was kind of the last box we feel like he needed to check off because he won one or he had won at least one as a player, I believe, but, but not as a manager. And he had been there quite a few times. So, um, you know, what an experience to get to, to be a part of that with him.
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago sports radio, 670, the score David Haw, Bruce Levine, boy, that was Trey Mancini, the Cubs uh, outfielder talking about his experience playing For Dusty Baker last year for the Houston Astros, which brings us to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That's where we find Dusty Baker. Good morning, Dusty. Thank you for joining us.
4: Yeah, good morning. I was trying to recognize that voice, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, but not to mention it, it was Trey Mancini. How's he doing over there?
2: you know, he's doing okay. They're off to a pretty good start. You know, they're 500, but they looked like a better team. And he's certainly his presence in the clubhouse has maybe been his biggest contribution. He's still finding his way at the plate. But Dusty, as you listen to a player like that, who had a short period of time, you know, in your clubhouse on your team, speak with such reverence. It's got to make you feel good. What goes through your mind when you hear stuff like that?
4: Well, I don't know. It kind of embarrasses me a little bit, (laughs) you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you just figure, hey man, that's that's part of your job, and uh, this is how you were raised, and this is, you know, what you're continuing, you know, to pass on to, you know, uh, these young men and young women. And so, you know, that's what goes through my mind that you might have been a positive uh, influence on on somebody's lives and their family, uh, you know, in a in a uh, and put them in a more secure, uh, you know, situation, and then and, and also
3: put them in a situation to succeed. Dusty, it's great having you on. Thanks for uh, picking up the phone and talking to us today. It was, uh, it's always wonderful catching up with you and, uh, talking to you yesterday. Um, you were asked about being the ultimate winner, winning a world series last year, but I I think it was fascinating to hear you say, Hey, uh, whether I won the big game or not, I've always looked at myself as a winner and people around me as a winner. Can you can you expand a little bit on, on that philosophy that's kept you going through these years with tremendous successful seasons but not the, uh, the gold ring until last year?
4: Well, you know, I mean, my dad would always tell me, you know, I do have a pretty good game in whatever sport I was playing, and my dad would always tell me that I did pretty good. And he never said – you know, Hey, you did good or you did great. And, uh, you know, that was this way of, you know, keep me motivated. And, uh, I've been a captain on most of the teams I've been on. I played all sports. I was just going around man in the Marines and, uh, just that, you know, my path along the way to this point, uh, I've, I've always thought, uh, you know, that I'm a winner without necessarily wearing it on your sleeve. And, uh, you know, my, I remember my daughter asked me when she was really young, uh, she said, Dad, you know, why must you always win? And I was playing jacks or Wings or jump rope or whatever we were, we were playing. And uh, I said, Well, baby, I'm supposed to win. And she said, Dad, that's not an answer. You know how kids keep bugging keep <laughs> you. And she said, Dad, that is not an answer. And I said, Well, let me tell you, you know, the only thing I come up with is, hey, man, they're not going to let you win in life. And so, you know, you're going to have to, uh, you know, take these wins. You're also going to have to take these losses. But you keep getting up and you keep, you know, persevering. Because this is how I was raised in the church about, you know, perseverance and character and strength. And, uh, uh, you know, it's easy when you win. I mean, it is very, very difficult to get back up, you know, when you lose. But, you know, you got to get back up. Uh, You know, uh, like you might cry at night. But in the morning, the sun is up, and it's a new day. Like, it was raining last night, and the first thing I do is open the window in the morning, and the sun is up. And, uh, you know, whether you can see it or not, you know that the sun is up. So that's just my outlook on life. And, you know, like, I really don't – I really just like negativism and 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 to be around negative people. I don't have to be around them. So I try to surround myself with positive people. Uh, and, and if they're not positive, then you try to uh, – influence them to be, you know, more positive.
2: What a great perspective. And it seems as if you passed down a lot of that to your son, Darren, who, by the way, Dusty, hitting the cover off the ball at AAA, A, three fifty three for Rochester. Yeah. Did you see – I don't know how active you are on your computer but or Twitter or social media, but you had to have seen the highlight. He made a second base behind the back uh, ground ball on Thursday and he threw yeah. out the runner. That was highlight – that was great stuff well i'm not you know
4: i don't go on there uh, you know i don't even have an account but 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 my wife does and uh like gary Matthews called her the, the you know the best reporter out there <laughs> because she, she <laughs> anything i want to know uh, about him you know like uh you know she's on it she 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 follows it on the computer you know the games and uh yeah you know we're proud of him but like i told him uh, son, don't get too high when you're going good. I get too low when you're going bad. Uh, and, uh, you know, I gave him a little more than pretty good, you know, like my dad used to give me. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I let him know when he's doing good. And I, I try not to be too hard on him, you know, if he doesn't do well. Because I've learned from other uh, uh, players that I've had or friends that I've had that had sons that played. And it's very difficult uh, to you know to be the son of a of a, of a former player, especially if you're a pretty good player. You know, I talked to Barry Bonds, I talked to Ken Griffey Jr. Now I got uh, uh, Craig Biscio, whose son Gavin is in uh, uh, Tampa, I mean, I'm sorry, in Toronto, and so you know he says he doesn't call him every day, he doesn't talk baseball every day, and it's a little difficult to do. But uh, you know these guys are helping me deal with the son that's trying to make it because there is a lot of pressure on him and, you know, he's admitted it to his mom, you know, not admitted it to me necessarily, but I mean, I, I I can feel it. I feel for him. And then my wife said he made another great play last night. And so, Hey, uh, you know, just keep on playing.
3: (laughs) Dusty Baker, our guest on inside the clubhouse. He's David on Bruce. We talk baseball every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year on the score. Dusty, you talked about being grateful for having another opportunity yesterday when you, we're talking to a couple of us guys, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that is that is earned. It's not given. Uh, when I talked to Davey Martinez a couple years ago about what, what, what it was that uh, made Dusty Baker successful, he talked about the fact that he was the 25th man on the team when they had 25 only, and that you were treated him as well or better than anyone else, that you knew the food that he liked. You knew his family members. Uh, This is a lot of people uh, work that you do. Uh, Mm. It's not, I don't think it's a mistake, Dusty, that you've been a success where you've gone. Right.
4: Well, I don't think it's a mistake either. But, you know, uh, I just, uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, they would never let the two best players on the playground play with each other. If you're playing football or basketball or whatever it was. So you know, me and another kid would always pick, and I'd always pick the kid at the end of the, of a, uh, you know, that was having his feelings hurt. Nobody wanted him on the team, and mm-hmm. I'd get the rebound, and I, I, I had feelings for him, and I'd get the rebound, and you know, I could score all the points I wanted to, but I, I, I felt better passing it to him until he finally uh, um, scored a point, and then you know, once I got into the Marines. You know, they explained that, you know, you leave no man behind and everybody's important. And then when I started studying some Asian uh, uh, um, culture, you know, uh, you know, they would always talk about the circle of life and the circle is not complete unless they, 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 uh, uh, well, uh, the lesser is equal to the, um, uh, what they say, the lesser, which is, uh, is equal to whatever the greatest is. On, on the team, and I'm paraphrasing, and so uh, I, I try to, you know, use that, you know, try to make everybody feel important because uh, they are important. And I mean, whether you contribute to one game or whether you contribute to, you know, ten games, it doesn't matter. We, you know, we're gonna need you. Plus, Davy, Davy is talking himself down a little bit. Davy was not the 28th player on a 25 man team, okay? Because Davey was a good player. I mean, he was a, he was an excellent player. He had speed. He, uh, uh, he had some power. He was a good hitter. And he could throw, you know. And so, uh, like I said, Davey, I think, is just being humble. Uh, you know, but Davey was a very good player.
2: Dusty, it's a challenge that every manager wants. But coming back and, and defending a World Series title and finding the same level of intensity and finding the motivation the year after you win it all has to be a new set of challenges for you what's been your philosophy in approaching it how well do you think your team is responding to it
4: well I mean I think we're responding to it well I mean but the only thing is I don't have the same team that I had out there that won the World Series you know like uh you know when I was watching Phil Jackson I watch him a lot he was saying every year is different you know Vince Lombardi you know every year's uh different that you're trying to you know you're trying to win you know I read some quotes by Red Auerbach and uh, you know, John Wooden. And, you know, this is a different year. I don't have Verlander. I've been without uh, Altuve, our, our leader of Mighty Mouse, from the very, very beginning. I've, <laughs> I've been without, you know, Michael Michael Brantley from the very beginning. Um, and now I lost Arquiti. And now I've lost Garcia. I mean, you start chipping away with your your team, you're not the same team. I mean, I'm a team out there with probably six to eight players um, First or second year players, and so you know the challenge is to get the second, first, and second year players to contribute to uh, psychologically and physically to the point where they are not just happy to be here. You know what I mean? They are not just happy to be here. We expect them to play, expect them to win. And but the one thing I have noticed a difficulty is that you have to teach at the big league level because they rush them so uh, uh, quickly out of need and And because they got less minor league teams to let them stay there and and cultivate and marinate their skills that that they get here before uh, um, they really learn how to play. and And you don't know what guys don't know until they mess up something, then you're like, "I can't believe I just saw that." And then and then you got to go over and have a a learning moment. and uh, just as long as they don't make the same mistakes in a short period of time, uh, you know you have to live with it.
3: Dusty, uh, I, I had Sean Sears, our producer, play "Walkin' Blues" by Paul Butterfield Blues Band because oh, yeah. I know you're you're a huge blues fan. You're good friends with Elvin Bishop, mm-hmm. you know, so all of that. But, but what I'm alluding to is you, you took some of your people fishing up to Kenosha yeah. the other day on your off day. How how essential is it to have a different perspective on doing other things throughout a baseball season just to keep your mind and your and everything uh, intact?
4: Yeah. Well, you have to. I mean, you got to take a break away from your job. You know that's why people can't wait till it's Friday. You know, what I mean, they could leave uh, Saturday and Sunday, but they got to go back. That's why I dread going back to work on Monday. But see, we don't have uh, uh, Fridays and Saturdays. I mean, this job can be six days a week, or it could be sixteen days a week. Uh, you know, in a row. And so, uh, it's very important that you, you know, you recharge. That's, uh, that's uh, something I learned from Hank Aaron and and something that, you know, I learned from actually Dave Kingman, like I said yesterday, because he used to live on a boat and he used to go fishing off his boat. And I, I love fishing, but, but sometimes this game can get all-encompassing and then you're on this hamster wheel that, that you can't get off. And, uh, you know, sometimes this game won't let you sleep. And um, and and you know a lot of guys, what happens is, uh, you know, they get so uh, into the game that sometimes they get into the bottle or they get into drugs to try to try to escape from it. So, so you have to like, um, you know, get away from your job. I think that's for everybody. You got to get away, or else this job will, you know, consume you.
2: Before we let you go, Dusty, obviously Jose Abreu comes back to Chicago. He's a revered. Stature on the uh, south side with the White Sox all those years. What's it been like to manage him, and how confident are you that he can break out of this early slump that he finds himself in?
4: Well, you know, uh, he's a tremendous dude. I mean, it, the, the guys love him. You know, he fit in right away. He doesn't talk a whole bunch yet. Uh, I think he works uh, a little too hard sometimes. You know what I mean, and leaves some of the energy because he he's one to do so well. And he internalizes a lot of, uh, you know, whatever you know he's feeling. But you know, I went through that my first year in L. A. The same thing. I was it was a big trade, and so like I got, you know, empathy for him because like I, I, I uh, was traded like, well, they traded Bill Buckner to to the to the Cubs. They kept me. Both of us were hurt. I had a bad knee that year. Uh, my first year, '75, me and Buck were teammates. We both got hurt, but but they booed me every day because it was a five for two trade, you know, major blockbuster trade. And you know, I hit a home run my first hit bat, and I hit another one until July the fourth. <laughs> and I was booed every day. They broke the lamps out at my at my house, or scratched my car, and um, you know the fans were mad. And I was embarrassed. And then I got my knee fixed. Next year, hit 30 home runs, and I made the All Dodger team. So I know exactly kind of what he's going through. You know, like uh, you know, the ice needs to be broken here pretty soon before it consumes him. And uh, I mean, you don't just stop hitting; it's impossible. You know what I mean? So like, he's gonna get right at the uh, hot at the right time. Um, I just know it. And, uh, you know, he's a carrier. You know, there are two kind of players on the team. There's the helper that gets on base and helps you win sometime, but he's a carrier. And so, carriers uh, carry, is carry and, and helpers help. And so, sooner or later, you know, he's going to carry us and, and I assume for and hope for a long period of time.
3: Dusty, thanks so much for coming on and being the great friend that you have been. I know you said, uh, you know, you were – Happy to win that championship. You wish you had done it with the Cubs. Uh while yes, you were I here. do. That was that was pretty gracious of you to to say you brought that out of out of nowhere yourself at, at uh while you were talking. So I know you have a well, that was an affinity. A true, you for know, whenever Chicago. I talk to
4: whenever I talked to Jim Hendry, you know, like he says, you know, like he'll say he'll say Dusty, you know, three outs more, man, and the course of history would have been you know, would have been changed. You know what I mean? And I I I loved working for him. I mean, with him, and uh, I loved working with him and Andy McPhail both. You know, I look back on uh, guys that I work with, and, and uh, you know, I wish Jim would get another shot like I got a, a, the shot because he certainly knows what he's doing.
2: Dusty. We love talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck the rest of the season, and congratulations on winning it all.
4: All right. Thank you, guys. Sorry for my very white voice. This is the voice I have in the morning. You know
1: what I
3: mean? <laughs> That's no, no apology Take care, necessary. Thanks, thanks, buddy. All
4: right. all right, guys. Later.
2: Dusty Baker, manager of the Houston Astros. Bruce, that was great. We'll come back, and we'll wrap it up and react to what he had to say. And let's face it, it's Dusty, so it's how he said it that kind of uh, – it, it, it was just a really fun interview there. We'll talk about it next. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670.
0: The score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw.
2: Welcome back inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Bruce. We had a great conversation with Dusty Baker. We just have a fo- few moments left. But I think that it's remarkable to think that it's been 20 years since in Dusty We Trusty, and he was the manager of the Cubs. And that was the season that, uh, you know, he referenced at the end there. Nearly won it all with Jim Hendry. Seems like a long time ago, but um, it really wasn't that long ago.
3: It was. It was 20 years ago (laughs) that they were three outs away from, or four outs away from uh, going to uh, the World Series. So uh, that uh, time really passes quickly when you're having a good time, right, David? It's just uh, amazing. But uh, just uh, that comment that he made about being on the playground with, it, with the kids and, and taking the worst player on his team to lift him up. Uh, th- that gives you a lot of insight into the type of individual he is, why he's been successful as a person as well as a manager and a player. There, there's, a, there's a lot of depth to a person like Dusty Baker.
2: Quality guy. And another guy that I wanted to bring attention to before we get out of here, Mark Gonzalez covered his last game in Chicago last night. And Gonzo has been a colleague or a friend for, for a long time as well. He came to Chicago, I think, in 2005. He's got the rare distinction, Bruce, of being the beat writer for the White Sox in 2005. They won it all. And the Cubs in 2016. They won it all. Worked Did a lot of great work for the Tribune. Was freelancing lately for the Sun-Times. Mark's going to become a senior writer at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix. He has some ties out there. Going back, but just a consummate pro a staple on both beats, a credit to our profession. And I was privileged to have worked alongside him for many years at the Chicago Tribune. And I'm going to miss Gonzo.
3: Well, 18 years working with him here, not only just a a great pro and a great uh, writer and a a great media person, but a great guy. Okay. A really good person. He's going to be missed as a friend more than as a media guy and he'll be missed as a media guy here. So Happy trails to Gonzo. Thanks for everything he's done. And uh, we have other people to thank today as well, don't we?
2: Yes, we do. Drew Smiley joined us in uh, the 10 o'clock hour right at the top. And then Dusty Baker. Boy, short night's sleep. Didn't matter. Dusty was terrific. Sean Sears, our great producer. And Bruce, thank you for setting everything up and being the maestro and making everything work. Appreciate
3: that. David, it's always a pleasure. Thank you both. Uh, people who follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website, 670thescore.com. Coming up uh, next, of course, is our good friend Mark Grody. He will have Josh uh, Shirock, uh, Danny Parkins, of course, who did the pregame show and a great host on The Score, will be on with him at uh, 1235, the pregame show with Zach Zaidman. I'll be joining him then. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Thanks, Bruce. Talk to you, Mullen Ha huh? Monday morning,
3: 530.
2: Thanks for listening to Inside the Clubhouse at Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.